0: Welcome to From Stuck to Growth, the podcast that takes you from the state of stuck to moving at the speed of growth. Here's your host, whose hard-won lessons led to these conversations today, personal growth geek, mentor, Glenn Leifheit. Welcome to From Stuck to Growth, the podcast that we've just started here, and I'm excited to have everyone meet Steve Millar. Steve, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: I'm so excited. Glad and honored to have this chance to be on at such an early point still in in your podcast journey, Glenn. So yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the support and the amazing conversations we've had
0: previously. Tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So today I'm based. And it doesn't sound like I am, but I'm based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, originally from England, I joke with people that I swam here, uh, not literally, but for for college and. Uh, been over in the states now for the better part of 16 17 years um, reason I'm based down in Baton Rouge is that I once worked at LSU as a swim coach uh, to a very high level and decided a couple years ago almost now uh, to get out of that and do what I'm now doing today which is my my business career competitor which is uh, an executive coaching service uh, which serves leaders business owners executive teams up-and-coming leaders, all of those uh types of cats in those worlds um in terms of how i can better serve them and optimize their performance within their respective respective worlds and uh yeah and that's what brings me here today right
0: we met probably about six months ago as we were having some great conversations around uh leadership and problems of business and i'd like to go back a little bit to your swimming time real quick and jump into can you tell me a little bit about that journey that you made you know you were a swimmer and then you made that pivot to hey, I'm gonna coach. Yeah. That sometimes it seems kind of natural, but in swimming being such an individual thing, how did that transpire and what what type of challenges did you find as you were making that transition?
1: Yeah, it was certainly challenge filled, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, for me, the the idea of swim coaching was never ever part of the long term plan. Uh, and for me, I was so focused on every single stroke the, the the very next stroke that was coming the very next moment that was coming the very next practice that was coming i didn't have time at least i didn't feel as though i had time to be thinking about what was next uh, and that's a very normal mindset for most athletes is to be uh, in a in a way self-centered you know how do i do what's right for me in the moment everything else is going to have to wait and lo and behold i finished my swimming career and i I got an opportunity to become a graduate assistant coach with North Carolina State University, where I was swimming. And at first, I just thought I was going to be a water boy. I was just going to be helping out, just picking up things after people, uh, being of use to people. And then from time to time, I started to very early on, just give some insight. I saw something. I didn't think it was the right thing. I would tell somebody what I saw and why I felt that way. And it turns out, in those initial moments, I was planting those seeds. You know, I was becoming a swim coach without even knowing I was. And before long coaches that were uh, full time with the, with the team were just giving me some, some ownership of things, throwing a few athletes my way and saying, Hey, you know, do something around this today and and see how it goes. And and I loved it. And before long, it was all I could think about. Uh, And before long I was done with my master's degree and LSU was an opportunity that that came my way. And I, I jumped at it and, it was then very good to me for the better part of a decade so I, I would never have thought that that's where i would have gone uh with my career but from a challenge standpoint uh glenn you know i i look back at that and i just the the, the tricky part with everything i was just saying to you there about being the summer and being self-centered and being focused on you as an athlete is that when you start coaching you assume that everyone's thinking the way you used to think as a swimmer and you learn real quick everyone thinks their own way everyone does their own way and you the challenge comes real quick is when are you going to notice as a coach that people aren't listening to you because they're not receiving what it is you're providing because you're not considering that it's somebody else that's hearing it. It's not you that's hearing it. You're having to completely change your perspective in terms of just your insights, your knowledge, your perspective. And that was my biggest challenge at first, man. And whoa, did I learn some tough lessons through those early years? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it sounds like quite an adjustment for uh, for you as you went through that, especially being such an individual thing as swimming. Right. Probably don't even have that communication. I mean, as a swimmer, what is your communication with other swimmers? For those who aren't part of
1: yeah, part of that world, it's 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 funny. I've I've actually spoken about this on a couple of podcasts before. Is it? It's a quick witted communication because you you spend so few seconds at the wall between repetitions and and parts of the practice that maybe someone said something prior to the, the last thing that you did. Um, and then before you know it, you, you get back to the wall and you're finishing a sentence that you just started five minutes ago because you've now gone and swam a, a couple hundred yards. Uh, and, and, you know, that's it's kind of broken communication over the course of a two-hour workout. And, and suddenly, like I said, now you're a coach and every moment of every practice when an athlete's at the wall, you feel this need to communicate. And, it, and sometimes it's motivate, sometimes it's hold accountable. But you got to figure out what that temperament's going to look like each and every time what that delivery is going to be like every time like there's this, there's a skill there's an art and there's certainly a ton of experience that comes with that exact exact thing
0: when you moved to that type of communication as a coach did you find that you had to do different things outside of just coaching to help you become more succinct or was it and work with the, all those those swimmers or was it more just i had to learn it by hard knocks and just kind of figure it out as
1: yeah, I went, that's what's funny is because the irony is my undergrad was communications, right? So I, I, <laughs> I didn't have any excuse. I, you will know, figure it out. Come on, man. Um, you know, so for me, it, it's funny. I, I, I did fall back on some academic elements. Uh, I thought about some of those, uh, some of those classes, some of those, um, you know, just insights and perspectives, and and uh, even even research components of what it, what it means to communicate effectively without actually saying anything, you know, all all of these sort of things I, I started to really fall back on and think about from the perspective of while I'm able to see tens of athletes all at once moving up and down the pool for the most part, when they get to the wall, the only person they're looking at is me. And that was something that I became very aware of very early because if they came to the wall, and the first thing they saw was a disengaged, unenthusiastic, pissed off individual waiting for them standing looking over them what 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 kind of energy is that going to do for them you know how's that going to be helpful for them and so i became so cognizant of even those sort of things like even if you're not saying anything what does it look like to be engaged when an athlete comes to the wall because that stuff really carries a lot of weight
0: what were as i think about the challenges that you had to overcome doing that you had to overcome these communication challenges, but as a swimmer, as you had to go through this, what type of challenges did you have to overcome? Because I feel like that's a pretty big mind game with swimming and being isolated. Is there Are there things or skills that you used as a swimmer and even as coach that might be in common or might be helpful for somebody
1: just in regular life? 100%. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that ability just to be oneself. You know, I, I think sometimes going back to almost everything I just described as myself, as an athlete, I would, I was so guilty of taking myself too seriously too often. And, and, and for me, there's those components of, and I'm sure anyone listening to this can think the work that you're doing each and every day. I'm sure there's times where you make it seem like it is the biggest project on planet earth that has been assigned to you and, and, but it's your world, it's your space. And of course, you're going to have that perspective sometimes because the stakes can feel that high. They, 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 someone can make you think that the stakes are that high. It, it, all the situations different, but that is a very relatable uh, component of being an athlete to just about anybody in any space is that you can just be very guilty of taking yourself too seriously. I was so blessed during my collegiate years to have people to pull me to one side and let me know that that was the case because they they'd see me say far beyond the practice at at the cafeteria we're just hanging out we're just talking and they see steve they see 100 percent authentic steve and then sometimes things aren't going so well in the middle of a practice and they're seeing this guy and they're like that's not steve you know that's not steve he, the way he's behaving the way he's carrying himself and I, like i said i, w- I was just blessed to, to have people that were willing just to say hey man Lighten up, (laughs) you know, it's, I know this is important. I know this is a big deal, but lighten up, like it's going to be okay. And you know, that, that's the one that really jumps out to me when you ask that type of question. And and I, I just think it's so relatable to so many people.
0: Yeah. I feel like it really is. I think about that. Not near enough people have those people to pull you to the side or the Right. right people to pull you to the side. You know, you may, you may get crap, but that crap may not be helpful um, and guide you in the right direction it may actually take you on a negative spin right. too so making sure that you that you have that growth that comes from that so i'm glad you were able to to get that
1: yeah no very lucky
0: and you talked about coaching an olympic athlete at one point in time how did that go and what type of challenges came about with that type of effort i mean that's a that's a big effort that most of us don't even think about
1: yeah it is and uh, it, it's it's funny because when when you're in that, and I was kind of alluding to this earlier, you know, when, when you're in that space and you're in that world as a coach, you're, you're craving those opportunities to work with athletes that want to achieve the ultimate achievement. And in the in the world of any Olympic sport, it's that of you know not only going to an Olympic Games, but is there even a possibility I could ever work with an athlete that could bring home an Olympic gold medal? Is that a world? Is that a reality? I could even get close to never mind actually experience and for me I was very fortunate to to have this opportunity to recruit an individual to to LSU back in 2019 goes by the name Brooks Curry and today in the world of swimming he's a household name back then to say that he was under the radar is is an understatement Uh, you know this is a kid that wasn't recruited didn't really have the opportunity to to even consider big time college swimming and here I was at LSU telling him, like, I see something in you that I want to assume that nobody else sees, and and that was that was one of my calling cards as a recruiter. When I look back, I, I was always able to look at things half glass full uh, when it came to recruitment, uh, and and so I I took a chance on a lot of kids over the years and was fortunately proved right more so than I was proved wrong. Um, but you know, with 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 Brooks in particular, uh, you know, he he sat down just. To f- Uh, I think it was the first week when he came to college and, and and told me that, you know, making the Olympic team in 2020 was a real goal for him. And I could have easily just laughed. I could have laughed and I could have just been like, you're crazy, buddy. What are you talking about? But the only question I asked him, Glenn was, okay, do you know what, what's, what's going to be required here? Do you know what this is going to take? And I always say to people that his answer was kind of irrelevant because the fact of the matter was he had a response. He had an answer. And, and that, in itself right there is what separates someone that is capable and willing to go and become something like an Olympic athlete is that they have the dream. They have the crazy goal, which to anybody who's trying to achieve the fraction of a fraction of an achievement in, the, in their particular world, there's, a, there's an element of dreaming that you have to have within you. But if you can connect an element of a process, even if that process is rough around the edges to begin with, to how you may actually end up realizing that dream there's something about how those types of individuals function that is different that does make them those almost one-in-one type of individuals it does make you know we use these terms like unicorns in the space of sports and you know there's elements of that to all of those folks of just that willingness to say yeah i'm going to dream crazy yeah i'm going to think big but in addition to that I'm going to give you a reason as to why I can actually pull this thing off, and they're taking ownership of that dream and that process, and it's such a huge part of it. And and that's what Brooks had within him from the very very beginning of our process to what ended up being a successful one, and that he did eventually become a U.S. Olympian and and go on and win an Olympic gold medal. Is that one of the
0: things that you find in successful swimmers and the successful people even that you're coaching where they have a bias towards a plan and an action
1: as part of that. It's almost like a reluctance to take no for an answer, you know, and and not in a, not in an an aggressive way. You know, the, the, one of the things I I share with just about every single person that I coach today, when we first get started, is that no matter where you're trying to get to and what you're trying to achieve, people are going to give you at least four or five times more reasons as to why you will not achieve it. then then there are options as to why you will achieve it. And sadly, that's just kind of the way of the world. And it's it's a lot easier to pull reasons why something won't come to fruition versus why it will come to fruition. And and that's what I really enjoy about the work I get to do today is that the moment someone invests in executive coaching, they're telling me in that investment, I'm ready to focus only on the reasons why I can. That's what they're telling me in that investment. I am done focusing on the reasons why I can't. I only want to talk about the reasons why I can and, and, and listen, sometimes that requires some failure through the process, but that willingness to keep curious about what that looks like in terms of, Hey, I know this can work out and I'm only focused on why it can work out. And we're going to work through that process together. So that is without a doubt, a consistent in, in elite sports, successful leaders, uh, successful business owners, just successful people in general. That sounds great as I think about the amount of uh,
0: effort that a lot of people put in, but they are doing it halfway mm. right and and then you see the success of others who may have that success, but they have that I'm gonna get through it, I'm gonna push I'm gonna be further in on the entire effort yeah and that's that's huge, going back to the moving to. Career coaching, business coaching. How did that transpire? Your desire to to move from one type of coaching to
1: the other. Yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating um, because I that that story I just told about Brooks. That was kind of my last chapter as a swim coach. I I climbed this mountain as a swim coach, so to speak. And the moment I got to the top, it was almost like this sense of not belonging. Um, You know, it, it didn't it didn't make sense. It didn't sit with me. And I've always been a I've done a lot of work on myself over the last decade to where I. I can trust myself. I can trust my senses. And when my body's telling me that something's off, uh, I listen to it. And, and so for me, that was a really telling moment to put an athlete in that type of position and then feel the need to almost jump off the mountain and go find a new mountain. And and, and so I did that over about a two month period. Once we achieved that. And uh, in the fall of 2021, I started my business and it came off the back of, of my podcast. So I've had a podcast now career Competitor for, what will be uh, five years this June. And, and, and so for me, that was a whole space that I never once anticipated would become the space that it's become. And it was born out of this notion that, hey, athletes go through sports and they come out the other end of it and they've got all these incredible traits and characteristics that they don't even realize can be an asset far beyond what it is they do in their uh, respective sports. And over time, the show became much more than just about former athletes. It was just about, just about anybody that had lessons and insights on how you can really perform at higher levels and, and do it by relying on who you are at your best. And in probably the summer of 2020, I suddenly started to see this trend in my guests where they would give me this feedback of, listen, you're onto something here, not the show, not the podcast. There's no money in that. (laughs) But at the same time, You've got an ear, you've got a personality for this ability to sort of sit and listen and interpret things in ways that can help people maybe process things, can move things forwards, not just in the sport of swimming, but far beyond that in any world that you want to. And the realization I actually had, it was this crystallizing moment a couple of days after uh, my athlete, Brooks Curry, made the made the Olympic team. I was at the Olympic trial still, and Brooks still had another event to to compete in. And I had this realization that I'd never been a swim coach this whole time throughout this 10 year career. In fact, I'd been a coach of swimmers and it was just a slight shift. It was just enough of a perspective shift where I could say, this is why I don't feel a belonging in this world that is elite swimming. And it's why I actually have a ton of confidence in moving into many other worlds that will have me, that that will welcome me. And what I've come to find is I've been welcomed by the most diverse, random uh, fields and and groups over the last year and a half as I built my business. But the common theme with all of them, Glenn, is growth. They all think, how can I grow and how can I improve? And that's the common characteristic with all of them. and, And it's serving me well so far, for sure. That's great. I love the
0: fact that you found that calling on the back of such success. Right. And here's that pivot of a whole nother whole nother calling sitting there waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. As you think about having moved, what type of things you found that that you were a coach of swimmers versus a swimming coach? Mm-hmm. What type of, of challenges have you have you faced as you made this transition?
1: <sighs> daily, <laughs> daily, <laughs> daily challenges. That would be the best way to describe those, um, you know, but for me. It's forced me to do something that I really enjoyed spending a lot of time on, which is that of investing in myself. Um, I've spent more time with myself than I ever have in my entire life since I became a business owner. (laughs) turns out that my office, which is the room above my garage, um, throughout the day, only I walk into it and I walk out of it. Nobody else randomly walks through that (laughs) that room. And uh, with that being said, I think that's given me a ton of time to really think Long and hard about who it is I am most comfortable with being each and every day. Uh, who it is I'm most comfortable showing up as to these new clients and these, this new business that I start to that I start to build. Uh, and within that too, it, it's also forced me to get even more. And I use this word competitive all the time. I think people hear this word and they think it's about me versus you or two people versus other people, whatever. It, for me, it's it's me versus me. It, it's it's me challenging myself in a way where I'm demanding that hey, learn more, grow more, you know, become more uncomfortable through your process by exploring more. And I've had so much time to do that as I've grown as a business. And that willingness for me to work on me has actually made it quite easy for me to work on the business. Like working on the business seems like a formality when I'm prioritizing actually developing myself. And that's what's been a godsend with with everything that I've done in this first year and a half is that ability to just stop, think, prioritize how I'm evolving and how I'm growing and then think about how do I bring my business into this same space of of evolution, of growth as well.
0: Very good. So as you grow as an individual, you're growing as a business as well. It sounds like it's it's going really well hand in hand. Sure. Are there any specific tools or anything that you're using to help work on yourself? Is like just
1: really good focus or what type of type of things are you doing? Yeah, there's three things that I go to the first one is uh therapy uh therapy is has been a cornerstone of my life for almost seven years now and uh for me I went to it as many people do uh because I was in a difficult time but now it's my it's the massage for my brain that I need uh each and every month and, and that's how I describe it the same way anyone would go to a massage therapist, because they've got a sore back, Um, you know, for me, my therapist is exactly that now. It just makes sure my brain is where it needs to be. My mind is where it needs to be. um, And lo and behold, it usually affects my energy in a wonderful way as well. Uh, So that's the first thing. Uh, The second thing is what I call my first and final 30. Um, And I talk about this uh, in my book, um, in the sense that the first and final 30 the way I describe it to everybody is that the first 30 minutes and the final 30 minutes, that combined hour is the most control we as human beings have within our day. It is, because we actually get to define when that 30 minutes starts and when it ends. And sometimes we'll tell ourselves that we don't. You know, I'm a parent, I'm a parent of a four-year-old and a two-year-old, trust me, there's days where you feel like you don't control those two 30 minutes. Uh, But at the same time, for the most part, we do have control over that time. And there's a beauty that comes with that in terms of when you focus on, and I always start with the final 30 minutes because those final 30 minutes can really set up the quality of your first 30 minutes the next day. And this isn't about just like, Hey, you know, don't snack before you go to bed and get off your phone before you go to bed. That's not, that's not what this message is. This is about what works for you. You know, what allows you to be able to tie a bow in the day that has gone and feel at peace. Even if it had been a bad day, you know, just to be able to tie a bow in the day where, you know, hey, now's the time for me to switch off. Now's the time for me to regenerate and to go again uh, tomorrow. And if you can actually use that final 30 correctly, I always believe that you have that motivation to wake up when you feel the need to wake up and do what you need to do um, with that first, first 30 minutes. And then the third part of that that I was getting to was writing uh you know i writing through the process of my book became therapeutic in a way um i never thought it would become what it became if i'd listened to my english teachers early on in my life i would, would certainly have never started writing uh but at the same time you know for me now i think about what that has done for me and it, it's not as it's not like i'm keeping a diary or anything like that sometimes it's just hopping on a thought and writing this thought out to a point where i feel as though I've seen it through to fruition. And sometimes I turn that thought into a podcast. I write it out and then I just go ahead and create a podcast out of it. Sometimes I write it and it's only for me and nobody else gets to see it. But there's a therapeutic element to that that's really served me well, uh, especially over the last year and a half as I built my business.
0: Like that last piece of of writing. Writing's always been really hard for me. Writing to complete things out of your mind Mm -hmm. is an amazing way to kind of just get it out and be able to kind of conclude that thought, let it sit and not be sitting in your brain for that evening or that night or whatever. I literally do that as right before I leave the office (laughs) to do that. It's like, okay, I got to drive home, but I want those thoughts out of my head and they can come back tomorrow if I need them. (laughs) They'll still be there tomorrow. But they're on pause. (laughs) Yep. That's it. So you mentioned, you know, writing the book, it shocks the world. Yeah. I've uh, really enjoyed it. Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to write it and where you were hoping to go with it.
1: Yeah, um, that's the beauty of the writing experience is that you think you know, and it's, the, it's actually the exact same as the coaching experience. You think you know why you're getting into something. And then as you're going through it, you're constantly discovering all these new reasons as to why you've started it or why you should be doing it. And, and that's what the writing process was for me. So the book's called Shock the World, A Competitor's Guide to Realizing Your Potential. And it was from a, sim- from a simplicity standpoint, it was born, the idea was born out of what I went through Uh, with my athlete, Brooks Curry, because when he, going back to that story that I told, when he did tell me that he wanted to achieve what he wanted to go and do, I said, well, hey, if we pull this off, we're going to shock the world. And we kind of use this almost as a mantra throughout that period uh, of reminding one another what we were committing to. But the more, once I started writing the book and I pulled on stories from the podcast and before I knew it, I was like, wow, I've got so many examples of people that I've had the pleasure of meeting over a four-year period, through the podcast, that have in their own way shocked their worlds, that have in their own way realized their potential, and at the heart of it was a competitive system. It was a competitive energy within them that drove them to become what they become. And like I said, I use that term competitive always very lightly. I think sometimes people can see that as an aggressive term. I, I just think it's it, it's it's another way of framing, you know, self-accountability, like having that willingness to hold ourselves accountable to doing in a lot of in a lot of cases the right thing and and so that's what the book really uh is about in terms of investing in yourself i break it into three different phases uh it's much more foundational through the first phase when i speak about identity mindset and approach and then we start to move through uh into more of a process phase uh, when i start talking about the community within which you operate the habits that you build and your willingness to maybe accept the truth. And then the final part of it is actually performance because I want people to read this book and say, hey, now I feel more willing to go and do and, and to actually achieve something and not just sort of read this and just take in and carry on with, the, with my life as it is. So the final phase uh, is more about talking about the gaps between where you are and, and, and that optimal performance and then execution as well. Like what does it mean to truly execute uh, when, you know, there's There's expectations on the line some something is at stake, and uh, you know you've really got to show up and actually do what it is you set out to do um, f- through the beginning of this book and and so for me, it's been wonderful uh it, it's a resource now for the work that I'm doing when I start working with businesses as well uh, it, you know i'm I'm already doing uh ten part workshops now because of the ten chapters of the work uh, of the of the book. I'm doing these ten part workshops now with companies and just going through what it means to realize their potential respective to their company and the people within it. Um, It's become something more than I could have ever dreamt. uh, And just in terms of what it is as a resource and a tool. Uh, But at the same time, I still sometimes stop and I go, I'm not an author. That doesn't sound like Steve. How's Steve an author? Uh, That's going to take me a little bit more time, Glenn, to get used to that term. Uh, But my wife will elbow me sometimes and say, you got to start telling people that you're actually an author. You can't just keep hiding from that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: recently interviewed and will actually be with an author who's written 15 books. And he said the same thing. Yeah. I'm not an author. I'm like right. 15 books. I think you've got that. it covered. <laughs> but as you think about the connectedness that, and the people you're around, mm-hmm. how did that change from moving from the swimming coach to, and the coach of swimmers to being this performance coach?
1: Yeah, that's a, That question on its own, almost, it it brings up some sort of strange emotions for me because uh, I think when you're in one world, you assume that that, those are your people and and all that kind of thing. And no matter how gracefully you may choose to leave that world, sometimes you learn the hard way um, that, uh, you know, maybe people aren't quite as loyal or as willing to be invested in you as you maybe thought. And what I've come to find is in this new chapter of my life. You know, I, I get to control that a lot more now. Um, you know, I, I get to make a decision when I connect with people. You know, wh- what's this going to be? Is this going to be a personal relationship? Is this going to be a business relationship? Uh, what's the spectrum look like between those two? Uh, and, and how much am I going to let this person maybe influence my energy and, and, and et cetera, et cetera? And I, you know, that, that ability to engage and be in communities, and I, I like using that word deliberately, communities, um, because I think for me, when you think about a community within your life, wherever you live, uh, whatever club teams your kids are a part of and the parents that you get to know through that community and all this kind of thing, and then obviously the place that you work, you know, we have a lot more control over how we are received within that community and also what we take from that community. We don't have to immerse ourselves in it. We don't have to become uh, a complete ambassador for it if it doesn't, for whatever reason, connect with us. Uh, on the deepest of levels, we get to still show up as our authentic self. We still get to be our best self, our normal self. And I think for me, I, I've done a lot of work on that, as I alluded to, just with the personal work that I'm doing in terms of this community that I am now purposely creating for myself uh, in terms of, hey, I, I want to give so much to people, but I also know people like me that do want to give a lot can sometimes be taken uh, advantage of too. And and so I'm, I have a heightened awareness to that. I understand what that looks like. But right now, I I love the control I have over my community and the space I operate in, and the energy I certainly get in return uh, is very healthy as well.
0: Yeah. Any suggestions for people who are in need of switching their communities? Because we look at, hey, we got to get better, we got to, or we got to grow, or we've got to get rid of these negative folks that are as part of it. Any suggestions on having had to switch communities essentially as you as you moved through this? Any suggestions or thoughts on on those steps that you did or the, the lessons you learned going through that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I touched on this a little bit within the, uh, the, Shock, the Shock the Community uh, chapter of my, of my book, is that, again, going back to that notion of what we're in control of, it, at a certain point, if you are detecting that your community isn't giving you what you really want it to, and, and maybe it's in a, potentially even in a, uh, an unhealthy way, um, it's that ability to stop and say, what is it I want? what is it i want you know start there not what is it i want from my community just what is it i want because a lot of the time we've gotten so caught up in just following the career trajectory and doing the work that's that's required of us and you know because my kid's doing this i'm i'm i'm, I'm involved in all these things and i'm going to say yes to everything and i'm going to be around these people that for whatever reason pull take more from me than i you know et cetera. Et cetera. and i think that ability to press pause and say what is it i want because I, once i become clearer on what i want i can almost guarantee that you're going to know who you should be around you know and, and and suddenly now you start to create this filter of it's like listen i'm i'm around you and i'm near you but i know what i want so when you go down a particular pathway with maybe some negativity or just the the general energy that you come to me with and you put into this community well now i can i can kind of put up my filter and just see it for what it is, take it for what it is, but have a little bit more control over how I respond to it. And that ability to know what you want, suddenly now it can really help how you respond within those communities that you're in. And again, sometimes we can't control if we're in a bad community, but we can control how we respond to that community. And and like I said, I think it does start with you just simply having a greater awareness of what you want.
0: I love that. When we look at change and, and growth and all of these words, any, any words of advice for folks, the economy and people are losing jobs and all of these things, any words of advice or thoughts on how they could grow during their time as they're looking for new things?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but <clears throat> at the same time, there's that part of me that just thinks, cause I've been on the, I've been on the wrong end of the, of, of, of so much of what some people are experiencing here uh, this in this current climate and one of the hardest things to do in these moments is to actually pinpoint what you do have control over because it does feel like you're out of control it does feel like you're out especially when someone's told you that you can no longer work somewhere for instance that is a decision that was made out of your control and that mindset can very quickly start to work its way into all factors of your life in a very negative way uh, and people can find themselves in places that they don't want to be Uh, You know, so that ability to kind of just be present enough and look around and think, what do I have control over right now? Because a lot of the time we can start to then become more strategic in what what it is we do with our time, what it is we do with our day, as opposed to becoming very reactionary when we uh, are not acknowledging what we have control of. If we feel out of control, we become reactionary. And when we're reactionary, we start to make decisions that aren't necessarily good for us. You know, So that ability, I believe, <clears throat> in this day and age to just acknowledge and say, hey, listen, this is not a good time within my industry, for instance. This is not a good time for people in my profession, for instance. But what do I have control of? And sometimes that can be some of the most simple things, like how you spend your day, like <laughs> how you spend your day, what you have for breakfast, what you have for lunch, and what you have for dinner you know, because when you're in a reactionary mode, you forget about breakfast, you forget about lunch, you forget about dinner until it's too late. And then you put something crap into your body. And suddenly now that's having an impact on how you think, how you show up, how you live your life. The the, the, the snowball effect of this stuff is so, so huge. And I know a lot of this sounds easier said than done. I'm, n- I'm never too naive to that part of this. But what I will say is just that ability to stop and say, what do you have control of right now? And if you can identify it. Grab it with two hands, <laughs> grab it with two hands and start taking control of that because you'll never you, you won't realize just how quickly how many more things start to fall into place in terms of other areas that you also have control of
0: Yeah, if nothing else you have more control over your schedule now than ever before because nobody else is scheduling it, so you can Absolutely. work towards that so that's a that in some ways that's a win well I, I would never wish that on any the going through uh, layoffs and being unemployed and all those things there are there are things that you can do to work on yourself and to continue to, to grow and take that next step and work on your communities and those types of things as well. I think one of the things I, I was also thinking about as we looked at this is the honesty we have to have in looking at ourselves as we go through all of these things and we work to grow. Any words on how you uh, looked at yourself as you went through this and, and uh, dealt with honesty and how, how you reflected on that?
1: Yeah, I felt uh that as I wrote my book there was parts of it there was parts of it where I was like <clears throat> how you know almost that uh second guessing myself slightly and saying who are you to write on this topic, you know. And but the one part of the book that I felt so so comfortable writing about was truth and 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 cuz i have lived a life i've graduated from a school of truth that that was my upbringing in my household um and then beyond that i've i lived a i lived a, a life as an athlete where i only dealt with the truth i didn't have any time for anything else uh, and and through some of my hardships the truth has really guided me to where i needed to get to um so i i think some of the the areas of just dealing with honesty and dealing with truth um I always like to tell people one truth doesn't equal aggression. It doesn't equal rashness. It doesn't need to necessarily be this attack on oneself. You know, honesty and truth should be a liberating component of what you do. And once you get comfortable with that, you start to get comfortable with those conversations. You start to get comfortable with those lines of thought. And I talk about it with clients constantly is I say, are we? I'll ask them, are we speaking about the truth right now? Or are we speaking around the truth? Which one is it? Because we, as humans, we're fantastic at speaking around the truth. That is one of our greatest assets as humans. We love speaking around it. But the moment we actually get pushed towards it and we get, we we face that moment where we have to discuss it, things get a little bit more uncomfortable. So for me, I I I like I like talking about that in the in the book because I, I tell a couple of stories within that chapter of just what the impact truth can have when you're able to embrace it and how it can immediately close gaps that have been there for years of your life when you just embrace truth a little bit more consistently. So for me, like I said, Glenn, like I honesty serves me well truth serves me well mainly because i've always looked at it as a way of liberating myself as a way of setting myself free you know there's that old term right the truth will set you free but it's so it's so true it is so true mm-hmm. when you get comfortable uh just simply having those conversations more consistently
0: yeah we're so afraid of rating ourselves to a certain extent and i i look back at i'm like it's very similar to some of the things i do working in security where, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you made these mistakes in the past. They're there. You just acknowledge them now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't change. It's just the acknowledgement of that can help mm-hmm. you come to that truth. As you, we think about uh, your coaching, I'm just curious: are there any big wins that some of your coaching clients have had? I'm not asking for names or anything like that. But is there oh. is there anything, you know, big that people people have accomplished or overcome as you as you think about going through something like coaching.
1: Yeah, some of the some of my favorite stories to tell <clears throat> are the not necessarily the 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 business measurables, those things are, sometimes get lost on people. You know, I've had I've had some folks have multiple promotions and uh, you know boost revenue and all that kind of thing, but for me it's when people come to me and they say you know what is it what does it mean for me to be uh truly relevant in this day and age or what does it mean for me to get to a point where i feel comfortable with the fi- if if i'm a business owner that's been doing this for 20 years and i can see that i'm now entering the home straight of my career as this business owner what does that what does that chapter of my life look like where i comfortably walk away from this one day and know that it's being left in good hands like it's very difficult to measure that stuff that is a human element that is something that only that individual can measure themselves those have been my successes so far as the ability over now I, I have data and, and research and history with clients that I've been working with for over a year. And to see where their energy was at the beginning of our time together versus now where, <laughs> you know, I walk into their office buildings and people are excited to see me because they know that I'm there to do what I'm doing and they're feeling and they're experiencing the benefits of that work. You know, whether it's a, uh, an individual that has a business of 10, 15 people or, or an individual that has a business of hundreds of people, they see that investment that the leader is making and they feel the benefits of it because that leader is working and improving on themselves and showing up as a better version of themselves. And again, like I said, I can't, I can go around the office and <laughs> make them do a questionnaire or something like that and have a bunch of data on that. But at the same time, when someone looks at me across the table and says, Hey, we got to keep working on this. We've got to keep doing this for another six months because this is what my people are benefiting from me investing in me. So I'm not even working with their people, but this is what their people are getting from this work that I'm doing with an individual.
0: That says so much too about what that work in the, in the mind can do. Right. And really showing that I have been doing a lot of work myself and I've noticed it's like, I had all these goals and it's not about the goals. It's about your state of mind in being in life. Mm -hmm. And the goals happen and they become amazing and there's great stuff, but there's so many other areas of your life that also get touched by those things because it's, it's not a single source thing.
1: Yeah. And I always like adding this too, is that I have a, since I started my business, I have my core values to the right of me and I have this second sheet, which is goals that I set every single quarter, even though it's right here on my shoulder, I never look at my goals throughout the quarter. I just write them down at the beginning. And then at the end of the quarter, I just take a look and I'm like, how did I do? How did I do? And up, up to this point, and I'm pretty aggressive with my goals. When you, when you hear my background, I don't just set any old goal. I set some pretty high goals for myself. <clears throat> but what I've noticed is that just that focus of me on me serves my goals without me even having to check back in with my goals. Because I, for the most part, I'm setting these goals because I know myself well enough that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. So it's really powerful too. So just want to close this out. One of the things that uh, we close, I close out with is a couple of questions. The first one being, is there a quote that favorite quote that you go by or live by?
1: You know, there, there or there, advice. There isn't. Yeah, there there isn't. There isn't a quote. <clears throat> there isn't a quote. I I don't do the quote thing, but I I will always say this to to folks when I when I finish my speaking engagements, I I always just tell them like, listen, no one no one's going to prioritize you more than you are capable of prioritizing you, and 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 I say it that way because sometimes people are waiting to, assuming that if others prioritize them, then they'll get far in life. But I like to just say like, it's up to you. To take ownership of prioritizing you so i like to always just impart that on people i really like that i
0: really like that and then obviously we've got the book shock the world that is mm-hmm. up for for that but do you have any other book recommendations that you
1: uh you give others i do so i have i'm pointing at it as though your listeners can see but i'm <laughs> the 15 conscious Commitments of leadership. I want to make sure I've got that right. It's not the 15. Oh, it's the 15 commitments of con- I always get that the wrong way around. The 15 commitments of conscious leadership. It's not a book for everybody, but you'll know if it's a book for you. I, I can't I, there's no better way I can kind of explain it than that. Yeah. Um, but, but 15 but commitments of conscious leadership. Yep.
0: Yeah, the, the title just you know resonates with me. So that's there you go. A, another one, another one for you, another one from my list. For from, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. So where can people find more about you?
1: Yeah. So the easy way would be just careercompetitor.com. That's everything about my business. Uh, The one thing I tell everybody though, is as I hope has come across, I love talking. I love catching up. I love connecting. Uh, I would much rather you just reach out to me directly. uh, So you can do that on two different platforms. One would be LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Steve Maller, or just shoot me an email, steve at careercompetitor.com. Those are the best two ways to get a hold of me. And I can just about guarantee that within 24 hours, you'll hear from me and We'll get something on the calendar and connect.
0: Very good. I love the fact that you're willing to connect. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. I've loved having you on the show. And uh, this has been From Stuck to Growth. This has been From Stuck to Growth with Glenn Lifeite. Don't forget to subscribe. We're also around on Instagram at From Stuck to Growth, as well as at fromstucktogrowth.com. See you next time.